Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Today's episode is brought to you in association with Perkbox. More and more firms are thinking about how they can improve the experience of work for their valued team members. That might be showing more recognition or giving more reward, or even simple things like providing healthcare 24-7 for their employees. Perkbox is designed for exactly that. It's designed to support the entire employee experience. Perkbox helps employees live better in life and in work. Find out more at perkbox.com. Hello, hello, Bad Boss Helpline. Do you have a terrible boss? The Bad Boss Helpline is here to help. Call or email the Bad Boss Helpline and report your problem. Leave us a message and we'll anonymously send a copy of the best-selling guide to fixing work, the joy of work, to your savage supervisor. No job too big. No manager too monstrous. Call 078 45 or email help at badbosshelpline.com. Call now. End the tyranny. Bad Boss Helpline. Hi, this is Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat. I'm Bruce Taisley. It's a podcast about making work better. Thrilled to have you here. I've got a day job, but my I'm taking some leave in the new year. My plan is to use some of my time there to develop the podcast in that time. My book, The Joy of Work, is the best-selling business hard book of 2019, and it's coming to the US. It's going to be called Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat in the US. It's pretty much the same book, but I've taken out the references to E17, and British pop music, and pretended people cared about things like hooting the blowfish. Simple rules if you live in America, do not buy The Joy of Work, and if you live in the UK, do not buy Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat. Very simple. Both of them are out in uh, the new year. Paperback of The Joy of Work in the UK, and Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat out in the US. Anyway, after today, we're taking a break till Christmas. In the new year, there's an episode about fixing your career. Then there's going to be a series of podcasts uh, in a sort of little program format. So here's a really stimulating one to end the year. It's It's a discussion about something that I'll be returning to in the new year, new ways of working. Annie Auerbach is the boss of consultancy firm Starling, but she's also the author of a book called Flex, which is about challenging the norms of working. Me and Annie have a really interesting discussion. As she'll describe, her firm takes the summer off work. So I wanted to know how that works, what that looks like. It's a brilliant short discussion. Annie's wearing some noisy jewellery, which if I was a professional, I would have intervened and asked her to take off. But uh, jingle jangle, it makes slightly percussive noises at times. Annie's a thought leader in the flexible working space. And some of the things we discuss, I think, 
are great provocations for conversations you might have at work. Here's my discussion with the author of Flex, Annie Auerbach. A little bit of background is that I have been working flexibly for 20 years. Currently, the way I work is that I'm the co-founder of a cultural insight agency called Starling. And Starling's actually founded on principles of flexibility. My partner and I work flexibly over the week. Fridays are always working from home, so we work remotely. We're a cultural insight agency helping brands become more relevant through understanding culture. Brands will come to us with a question usually, and that question might be a big conceptual thing, like help us understand what nature means today. It might be, um, you know what, our business doesn't currently understand aging. Can you help us understand what aging means and how we can how we can be more friendly and more progressive in our in the way that we work? Right. So it might be something about their audience. It might be something ab- ab- about a big concept in society which feels they'll have a hunch that it feels really culturally urgent but they won't necessarily know why or how it's right. manifesting in people's lives so there's two of you doing that and mm-hmm. you do it four days a week from the office then one day a week from yeah. home but then describe to me probably the big big thing i was blown away by the, yes. the fact that you take the summer off yeah so we take the summer off so we stop working mid-july and start again in in september because our business is founded on the fact that we need to be creative and we need to come up with fresh ideas for clients we feel if we work really long hours and compress our days full of full of client work and we're on a sort of treadmill of of work eventually there'll come a point where we won't be innovative anymore and we won't be creative because we're not we're simply not giving ourselves the space to have new inputs into our lives and also the other reason is we both have young kids personally for us it will make us feel fulfilled and like we have autonomy Um, and for our clients we will hopefully deliver something that is premium and our offer keeps on getting better and better because we're investing in ourselves. Do you think it's a um, a choice that you make that cho- choose whether to make the company bigger yeah. or or more flexible? There's two of you. Do you think your company could be bigger if you had like more a savage capitalist mentality to work through the summer? Or do you think it, that's irrelevant? I, I, I'm just interested. I've met a few companies in base campus sort of a, an American company that have summer working hours and for 12 weeks of summer, I mean, as if summer is 12 weeks. <laughs> I'd be delighted if 12-week summer. But for the 12 weeks of summer, they, they do four-day weeks. But they make a conscious decision that they grow slower. They don't want to be the world's biggest company. Do you think that's a conscious decision that you've made? Well, I think you need to analyse what you mean by growth. And we've always looked at growth in a societal way. For business, it could be about um, increasing headcount and increasing targets. I'm deliberately thinking about growth in in a different way. We're massively ambitious. Our form of growth is not necessarily about increasing headcount, but it's about having better quality relationships with our clients. It's about having more and more offers. We specialize in cultural insights, but we also have just launched a sport offering to try and understand modern fandom. Have a think about what we mean by growth today. There's one definition, which is the rampantly capitalist, as you said, definition, and there's another definition which might be more holistic, more horizontal, ultimately, I hope, more sustainable. I mean that in terms of the fact that we are living longer lives. 
we're working for longer and we'll have longer careers. That may fill people with joy or that may fill people with horror. We need to think in terms of how we can maintain our relevance, personal relevance and our, our personal skills over a longer period of time. As you know, technologies will change and, and certain skills that we have will become defunct and we need to have a sense of sort of lifelong learning. But do you think like it's, is it the luxury of someone who works themselves that they can have this flexibility? Taking the summer off sounds like a dream and then, you know, working one day at home. How could what you've learned be applied to someone who's in like this more typical 40-hour Monday to Friday job? So we've looked at it through my own personal lens and how we work it at Starling. The reason why I wrote the book is that there's a huge societal need for flexibility across all areas of our lives. I've just talked about demographics and living longer, but also the fact that our working culture at the moment is not particularly sustainable. It's broken in many ways. The in what rise, sense? Well, the rise of stress and burnout in the workplace. The Brits are particularly bad in terms of work-life balance. In a recent report, it says that we're 24th out of 25th in the EU in terms of our work-life balance. Who did we beat? I don't know, actually. Right. Interestingly, gosh, who, who would you think? Um, we beat someone, though. We beat someone. <laughs> Get in. Um, you know, we're working long hours. There's cultures of presenteeism, whereby our value to the workplace is measured in, in bums on seats. And yet there's so many huge benefits both to the individual and to the business of working flexibly. So if we purely look at it through a, a business lens, there's higher rates of employee engagement. There's actually higher productivity. There's lower costs if you have a more flexible workplace. And then if you look at it in terms of the individual, it has a huge impact on well-being and on autonomy, which is a massive motivator in terms of what people bring to the business. They're not just complying with the business, but they're engaging with the business. And if you give people autonomy, in other words, allow them to design a working day, working week, which suits their lives, then that, that brings huge benefits in terms of engagement and retention. So you mentioned that creativity is one of the things that benefits. And I just wonder if you could observe that yourself. I suspect when you're going off before the summer, you must be like execution mode, locking things down, firming things up, shipping reports, whatever you're doing. Do you observe more creative ideas happening in your six weeks off? Yeah, I don't necessarily think you know it's happening when it's happening. When I looked into creativity um, and I was really interested in understanding how flexibility could contribute to creativity, there's something about having periods of fast and periods of slow. So when we're constantly rushing and we've got very intense schedules and, for example, very intense meeting schedules, it doesn't allow any time for the brain to actually absorb what's happened and make connections. And also, if you travel as well, there's links, it pushes your boundaries, it pushes you into more what they call frictionful situations, which means things aren't easy, you can't slip into routines, you have to talk to people, you have to find your way around. And all of that as well allows you to be more empathetic, see different people's points of views, join the dots, not get stuck in silos or echo chambers. So that is the sort of theory behind it. And I think in practice, I know when I come back in September, I'm fizzing with energy and bubbling with ideas. And I just feel when you let the dust settle, 
the alchemy happens and the connections are made. Sometimes you make a connection between a work of fiction that you've read on holiday and a report that's related to whatever you're working on. And I think giving yourself the space and the freedom to make those connections is, is where the magic happens. One of the things I was really t taken with, with what you said was how the way that we've gotten to working right now might be at the expense of empathy. Just every aspect of trying to understand you know, all of our jobs, to some extent, involve understanding human interactions and, and how people will respond to things. And empathy seems to be one of the things that an unflexible way of working seems to have crushed out of us. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree, because I think that when you have the space to have a conversation or to make a connection or to step into somebody else's shoes, that allows you to move your thinking on. So when I feel that I'm stuck is when I'm doing the same old thing, reading the same old stuff, listening to the same old voices, and my activity is a bit of hamster wheel. That's when I feel like I'm stuck. Habituation makes you blind, it turns your brain off, yeah. was one of the quotes you used. Yeah. Do you ever feel like that? Yeah, yeah. definitely that feeling when you've, you don't, you can't recall how you got to work. Yes. Um, and because it's simply because it's, there's so much pattern recognition going on in your brain, it feels so similar to what you did yesterday. Exactly. Yeah, and I could, I could definitely recognise that. So, so, so your approach is very much that you invite people to almost propose suggestions to their bosses and keep a note of how the proposals have gone. Is that right? Yeah. So I, I, um, I this isn't in the book, but it's, it's my mental model of how to approach flexibility is four C's. The first C is clarity. So clarity is taking the time to go, what's not working here? Is it that something's happened, an elderly relative needs care and I'm being pulled in two directions or my commute is horrific and actually if I shifted my working hours one hour back, it would make the world of difference. Have a good old think of what is the problem here. And the second C is creativity, which is creating the ideal template that you would like. I would say really do be creative about that because people shortcut to part-time, don't they? When you think flexible working, you go, oh, that's three days a week or four days a week, is it? There's a plethora of different ways of right. flexible working, whether that be compressed hours or remote working or annualized hours or job share. So uh, there's a whole list in my book and I'm sure there's loads of others. I'd love to hear all of your listeners and if they've got different ways that they flex because it really is, you know, the sky's the limit. Um, and I would say when you're being creative, always think through the business's eyes as well. This is a reciprocal relationship. So how will it benefit the business? This is not something that you approach with a me, me, me attitude. This is something that you think about. Um, it works for me, yes, but it's also going to work for the business in these ways. Third C is chutzpah. And chutzpah is bravery, is courage, which is my acknowledgement that it's not always easy. It's actually easier to carry on as usual. I've definitely felt that the people that I've worked, that I've spoken to in the book that are flexing in lots of different ways, yes, they've got flex in common, but what they have got in common is their pioneers because they are people who've looked at the status quo and said, you know what, it would work better if, what if, the bravery, the chutzpah, the innovation, that's all part of it. And then the final C is conviction, because very often 
negotiating flexibility is the start of it, it's not the end of it. Negotiating flexibility means that there needs to be systems and structures in place that support that. It shouldn't be a lonely, isolating thing where you feel like out of sight, out of mind. Did you work for someone else and you and you were, and you had to do this yourself, or have you just witnessed? Oh yeah, loads. Yeah. So throughout my career, I've worked I've worked flexibly. Sometimes that's been freelancing, but but a lot of it has been working for businesses. And so when I've negotiated the flex, often is that you do feel like flex is a dirty little secret. Right. In other words. It's something that's granted, it's given permission, and it's something that you need to keep close to your chest. So it works in this instance, but, you know, don't say anything about it. Have you managed people who've worked flexibly? Yes. I guess the thing that, like, if there was someone listening to this now, mm. and they're scared of someone reporting to them going flexible, they're probably the thing they're scared about is probably two things. Can I be sure that they're doing their job? Yeah. And you mentioned presenteeism actually has gone up. Mm. Um, can I be sure that they're doing their job? And how do I stop them taking the piece, really? Mm. So there's a huge trust deficit around flexible working because it's new and it's happening in lots of different ways. Employers can be frightened of it. So it's that concept of shirking from home. If there's a remote working day, it's called, anecdotally in the company, it's called the taking the piss day. Mm. And all of this is, is flexism. In other words, a prejudice against flexible working. And we can see it that flexible workers worry that it will impact their career. And so they won't, they'll go into the slow track and they won't be considered for promotion and, and so on. What I would say is that what we need to do is infuse the business with a higher trust culture. And so that's trust on the side of the employee that when they work flexibly, they work their socks off. And I have to say, in all the people that I've interviewed, they've really been quite grateful for the flexibility that they've, granted, they've been granted and they don't shirk. In fact, productivity goes up. And how can you measure that? It, so there's lots of studies that have shown that when self-reported productivity goes up, when you are given more autonomy over your time. On the employee's part, it's about demonstrating your commitment to the business and the fact that you work hard, that you're not shirking from home. But that has to be reciprocal. There needs to be trust in the employer that you won't be put onto the slow track and that this is not something that you're going to have to fight for yourself, but there are structures and systems in place that support you. Yeah. So, so the, the US Labour of Statistics, Labour Bureau of Statistics, claim that the average American worker works three hours a day. Yes. And, and how much do you think the truth of it is this? Is that when we're in the office, you mentioned, mentioned that presenteeism, I'm going, to, I'm going to give the stat, because you mentioned that presenteeism 86% of people say they've observed presenteeism and it's gone up from 26% in 2010. People sitting at their desk. See if the fundamental truth that we're skirting around is that the average person does three hours work a day. Right, that, maybe that's the truth of it. And, but so people at the office are going through this laboured, exhausting act of performing that they're busy for eight hours because that's the reality of it. Whereas if we were honest that three zingy, energised hours was actually a really good day at work, but however we did it, and if we cut all the crap, so we got all rid of all the meetings, 
Is there anything in that or am I just, or is a full day of work a full day of work? No, it's really, I hadn't heard that, that three hours a day statistic and it's really interesting because then what else are we doing? Yeah, yeah Jeff Bezos says a good day at work for him and the, the imperative of the richest man in the world. Okay. But he says a good day at work for him is three big decisions. Huh. And so like, you know, they have, I guess they have an hour meeting each time. Yeah. They, they've got an interesting process of making decisions, but three good decisions. And I think actually the, the honesty about those things is really interesting because then you start saying, okay, now how do I set myself up filled with inspiration for those three hours of work? How do I give my space, myself space? It's a bit like a guess. If we could measure the output of what people were doing, if it was like pop songs, if we were all writing pop songs, where you could write pop songs for eight hours today or something that felt zingy fresh and original mm. you might be only able to write one a day and, and I'm just I'm just interested because we, we can't measure the output of most most of our jobs whether it leads to this presenteeism sitting at desks yeah so so on the Jeff Bezos thought three decisions a day if he is jamming his day full of meetings from 6 a.m till nine at night he's not going to be able to make those three three well thought out good decisions because he'll need to think about them and he'll need to have time to process them so so that's one thing is is the is the speed and the rhythms of your day are you giving yourself enough time to think yeah you know how they do it as well they say in amazon you only have meetings when there's a decision yeah and so they sit in silence they read like mm. a shared i love that three page document and yeah. they sit in silence till everyone's ready then the decision is made where everyone's informed, largely because they say men uh, bullshit their way through PowerPoint, you know, claim to have read things that they haven't read. So it's actually to try and store an equity and a decision is made. And, and if you're doing three of them a day, it would mean three meetings a day, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing that you're saying is that if we're a bit more honest about what we actually produce at the end of each day what you would then is to think about your own way of working and how your body works and how your mind works for example when you start thinking about circadian rhythms and some of us are morning larks and we wake up and our heads are buzzing and we are you know everything's on on fire and for us actually three hours working from seven in the morning till ten those might be the kick-ass mic drop hours of the day. Mm. And for other people, it would actually be seven at night to 10 at night. So why then are we sat at work in the middle when it doesn't suit, doesn't necessarily suit each individual um, circadian rhythm? The other thing is, is that you might be an introvert or you might be an extrovert. And you might have a style of working, actually, where you just need to cocoon yourself away with some headphones on, listening to whatever soundtrack in order to get something done. That could be very easily done from wherever. Um, and that's going to be your powerful uh, working hours of the day. So with that in mind, a bit more honesty about what we actually do and produce in, in the day and a bit more sensitivity to our own idiosyncratic individual ways of working. Um, that's flexibility. If you were to give people advice then to how to approach a difficult boss, mm -hmm. because I suspect most of, the, most of the people who hear about flexible working 
And actually, albeit that you, you, it's mildly aimed at women, it's sort of, I, I think it's everyone. A lot of men would be thinking now, how do I get a four-day week or how do I get um, the freedom to work from at home? What advice would you give people? So, um, as I said, I definitely think flex needs to feel reciprocal. Yeah. You need to be empathetic in the way that you ask for it. So be very clear, as I've said, about what, what you want and what you need. and Lay that down. Explain how it will impact the business and explain how it will actually benefit the business. Also, it's worth saying that the talent today are looking for flexibility. So people, young people coming into the workforce regard flexibility and diversity as bigger motivators than salary. So what you're doing by being a flexible worker and, and proving that it works and showing that you can flex with elegance and excellence is that you're adding to that employer brand because that employer then has amazing case studies to show that flexible working works, therefore can attract the very best talent. That for me is a huge, mm. is a huge motivator. And then, of course, there's all the rational stuff that I've already talked about. Is that, you know, if the, the business will benefit in in terms of retention, in terms of productivity and lowered costs and so on as well. So there's all that rational stuff to be said. Just be empathetic. Be reciprocal. Be organised. I just want flex stories to be told in a sexy way in the business because when you show case studies of people, all different types of people, not just mums, please, dads, older workers, younger workers who are flexing for a variety of different reasons and we show these people as the pioneers and the rock stars that they are, then flex will be seen to be permissible and contagious mm. and, and hopefully just normal. Yeah. I think that's it, isn't it? When it moves away from just being mums, yeah. then suddenly it's not ghettoised in this sort of this nursery school run thing. Whereas it's it's sad, but to make it more um, universal, it needs to move out of that one cohort almost. Oh, totally, it does. It totally does. And my belief is that flex is really for everybody and can benefit everybody. My ambition is is to move away, as you say, from that ghetto. I want to acknowledge that mums have often been the pioneers because mums have the caring responsibilities and the emotional load on their shoulders. So they've been the ones who have been at the coalface campaigning for this stuff. And I want to acknowledge that, but I also want to say it's for all of us. It's, it, it's something which will make us societally better. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating actually when you deconstruct the mums thing, because the mums thing is, is generally someone saying, that they've got these two these two flames of purpose that they want to they love the sense of personal reward satisfaction that they get from their job they don't want that to be put out but simultaneously they've got some other raison d'etre and they want to balance those things and like you say they're the pioneers because of that they sort of represent the the driving force of people who say actually i do want to do both of these things yeah for sure and dads do as well mm. and i think that young dads are desperate for flexibility as well because they want to be present fathers. Yeah. I think that's something that we really need to address because it's such a low take up of shared parental leave and there's such a low take up of flexible working for men. 
part of the reason for that is this huge fear that it will impact their careers. Mm. And that's a fear that, that women face, of course, as well. So I think if I was to address that, I would want to show how flexible working for men is statusful in the workplace. So how can you link it with status? Mm. Because when you do, then you will get more men asking for it and it won't all be on women's shoulders to cope with the home and the emotional load yeah. because I think it's a neglected area. Today's episode is brought to you in association with Perkbox. I've been fascinated with Perkbox. Their mission is to help employees live better in life and in work. And the way they've set about doing that is by creating a platform with 200 exclusive employee benefits. And these are across store discounts, healthcare, recognition incentives. There's a whole array of different things. It was impressive just the vastness of what they offer. Perkbox is designed to give everyone everything they need to perform at work, improving motivation, productivity and staff retention. Perkbox helps employees live better in life and in work. Find out more, go to perkbox.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I've given links to all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much to Annie for joining me. Like I say, I'm taking a break now till the new year, but there's some really, I think, really structured discussions coming up there. Thanks for joining me. See you next time. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.